everybody, and welcome to the special Inauguration Day edition of the Media Boat Podcast. As you may have guessed, today is January the 20th, 2021, the dawn of a new era, the dawn of a new administration, and hey, maybe maybe some good stuff. Uh, who can say? Uh, it's day one. We only have scratched the surface, uh, but it's also the dawn of a new episode of the Media Boat Podcast. And if you don't know what we are, we are a podcast dedicated to talking about news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. With me is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. And you kept saying Don, even though there is no more Don in the Not that Don. No, he's done. He's done. But the D-A-W-N is still happening. Like there's all sorts of Dawns happening. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this uh, special historical day for a non-historical, non-special podcast. Yes, even though this is week <laughs> three of yeah. the three of three of season six, where we start with something political. We are not a political <laughs> podcast. It's kind of hard to uh, hard to avoid these days. Maybe it'll be uh, be a little easier to avoid as we go on. Um, but in the meantime, hope you all have had a great day. Let's go straight into the podcast. We always start with movies. I'm going to skip off the box office again. It does exist, but it's very, very small. Um, yeah. The Marksman was your number one movie. Just $3 million. Uh, that's that Liam Neeson movie, though. Right. So, yeah. And then The Crude is at $2 million and everything else is sub $1 million. Oof. So, yeah, not worth even talking about. All right. But and when so- can we have box office again? Well, speaking of which, our first story talks about that exact subject. Let's talk about 2021 movie releases. So last year, 2020, got off to kind of a good start with like Sonic for February. And then Onward had some good buzz going into it. But then we hit kind of the pandemic and everything got pulled. And as we talked about in our year-end wrap-up shows, kind of the continuing theme of 2020 was your big temple releases being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back until ultimately getting delayed to this year to see if anything would change. It was just salt and pepper. They pushed it. Pushed it real (laughs) good. good. So that brings us to 2021. Hey, what about all those movies that are supposed to come out? Well, don't get your hopes up. The feeling of deja vu is demoralizing as studios look to rearrange their spring and early summer slates again. Again? In the case of MGM's new Bond film, No Time to Die, it was subsequently pushed out a year to April 2nd of this year, but not even that date will hold. The only question left is whether MGM will again relocate the tentpole to October or maybe even later than that. MGM has declined to comment but a veteran studio executive does predict that, quote, I think everything, Temple Films, between now and Top Gun Maverick in early July will move. It's a mess. That group of films includes Paramount's A Quiet Place Part 2, originally scheduled for April 23rd, Disney's Black Widow, currently scheduled for May 7th, and Universal's Fast and Furious F9, currently scheduled for May 28th, all of which were supposedly Uh, was supposed to release last year. The executive continued with, quote, the way I'm thinking about the year, the first quarter will be down as much as 90%. Things will improve by the second quarter, but 
revenue will still be 30% to 40% of the normal if comparing to a three-year average, that being 2016 to 2019. This all depends on if the U.S., of course, can immune or immunize, immunize, that's the word, <laughs> vaccinate a million people a day. And only then things can start accelerating. As most people know, they're not to that rate yet. Only 44 million people uh, nationwide have been uh, vaccinated thus far. And that's not immunized because that's only the first dose. Right. So. And they need the second dose, which is four weeks out. And if you're doing a million for immunization a day, a million a day, according to the U.S. population, that will still take 300 days to get the full U.S. population if right. everyone agrees to take it. As you know, there are anti-vaxxers out there. So the good news, uh, there is a kind of good side to that, which is in order for this to work, we don't necessarily need 100% of people to take it. It, of course, doesn't hurt. Um, but there are people, like enough of, a, of immunity would be enough in a lot of ways to at least get the ball rolling back for normalcy. But you're right. Ultimately, it's going to take a very, very long time for any of that to happen, to even for us to get anywhere close. Now, as you mentioned at the top, we are in a new uh, administration. Yeah. And legislation's already on the table uh, for um, speeding up the process of vaccination, um, giving more options to people um, who need the vaccines or are, or, are, or taking care of providing the vaccines to people. So uh, yeah, we'll see in the coming months um, if that process is accelerated and uh, maybe maybe a uh, fall movie season is possible. Who can say? Maybe a summer movie season as- I almost said incoming, that. The incoming, well, I'm just putting it out there because the incoming administration, I guess not incoming, but current. Yeah, current now. now. Um, has made a pledge of one- 100 million vaccinations in the first 100 days. First 100 days. Yes. And that puts it out to April 20th or 21st, roughly. That's a big so if. That's a big if, but that's also end of April, starting of May yeah. for 100 million people or 100 million new people. Or not yeah. total? I think it's total. Um, so actually, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, okay. Let's assume at best it's 100 million new people. So that's that would put 60, us at about 60, million, 60 million, million from now, yeah. Yeah, put it out at 100, at best, 150 million yeah. by what would be the beginning of May. Yeah, but if you're in the movie studios, you're just crossing your fingers back here. Um, if you're theater chains, you're also crossing your fingers. I feel like most people are probably crossing their fingers. Um, but you but can't yeah. see mine off screen, but they're definitely <laughs> crossed. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the studios have had just, yeah, rough going. Don't know when they're to release their shit. And so, yeah, it's only a matter of time until we find out. And until they oh. do, this is kind of the downer of the yeah. box office for now. This is the reality of it. It's just we can't have movies if nobody can go to them. All right. Well, let's say I do want to go to a movie. What can be something I look forward to besides what should already be out by now? Uh, well, I don't know about things to look forward to, but I do know about this next story here, which is about a movie I don't know who asked for. Um, Warner I think Brothers licensing asked for it because yeah, I guess so. They don't renewing, make a movie about it; they lose the licensing. Yeah, renewing licensing, uh, IP license. IP. Uh, yeah. So Warner Brothers has announced they will release a movie called Wonka. 
on March 17th, 2023. It is, as you guessed, about the early days of Willy Wonka from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory films um, and novel. And book. Uh, basically about his early days before he turned to a life of candy. Back in 2018, it was reported that Ryan Gosling, Donald Glover, and Ezra Miller were being eyed to star in the film, but those names have all fallen by the wayside, since with either Tom Holland, Tom Holland or Timothy Chalamet is now set to play the lead role. Paul King, uh, director of Paddington, will direct a script by Simon Rich, uh, the writer of An American Pickle, who will draw inspiration from the classic children's novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, of course. Warner Brothers is looking to start production on the film in the next four months, so we'll not, likely no uh, final casting very soon. Um, is there anyone other besides these two actors? Because they their names keep popping up everywhere because they're the, the hot stuff. Someone on Twitter said Janelle Monet, and I was like, yeah, that's a good creative choice. Right? Just completely rework it yeah just completely re- rework the character gender swap you know it would work you can do it without even invoking the wonka name yeah although i wonder if you have to for ip licensing i don't know um i don't believe uh roll doll's estate probably cares so <laughs> no but i believe warner brothers money Maybe. and accounting do care I don't know. It was a neat idea, but yeah, no, it'll probably be one of these dudes. Um, Tom Holland might be a hard get seeing as they're uh, going to be in production on that Spider-Man film at some point this year. Um, They are currently in production and should be wrapped up by summer. Oh, I didn't realize they're almost done. But he's Um, also in production of the Uncharted film as well. mm -hmm. Unsure when that will be done. So yeah, it might be tough. Uh, Timothy might be easier to get, but I guess we'll see very soon. Is there another white kid, brown-haired, becoming uh, <laughs> actor that we can fill that role in? Just saying. Also, would they follow the Johnny Depp version or the Gene Wilder version? I mean, hmm, yeah, that's tough. I mean, what which do you try to go for, or is it in a completely different interpretation of the character? That's also an option. That is also an option. Um, interesting of note here: assumption there will be Oompa Loompas. <laughs> because Paul King is directing it and he directed Paddington, could we be seeing CGI Oompa Loompas? I think it's possible. I think it's um, maybe questionable to do it like the first, uh, the, those other movies did it at this point. Um, but who can say? Maybe they'd figure out a way to make it work. I'm no expert. I mean, we try to be. <laughs> We're experts on certain things. We're not experts on um, casting little people, I think, is not something I would say we're experts on. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that story. That. I do not want to see an origin story of Willy Wonka. Just, well, no, neither do I. But saying that right now, I don't, I don't know if I want this, but I guess somebody, somebody's out there thinking that this is a good idea. Let's... Move on into thoughts. Did you see any movies? I saw Wonder Woman 1984 again because it's going to be leaving HBO Max in about a week. Okay. So I figured, hey, while I have it, might as well watch it again. Sure. Yeah. Um, did it age? Did it get any better? Mm, 
No. <laughs> it, it didn't? No, it didn't. I, I still was like, oh, okay, we still don't understand why this happened or how they got from here to here without explaining no. it properly. No. 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 Turns out. There's, there's, just, there's more plot holes than a phone going off. I Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I Work should be done sending orders, and yet they continue. Anyways... As the commercials say, there is a silence on your phone. Yes, I know, but you tip. I have an Apple Watch. It just happens to be because I'm currently accepting them. My phone is open, which means the sound turns on. Uh, anyways, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I got to do my job. It is why they they pay me for that. They do right, not pay me you, to do this podcast. You can actually pay us via Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. Or anyway, I'll, I'll I'll use this way to plug. The uh, Powerball, which we can pay ourselves, should we win? Drawings <laughs> are up to not seven hundred million and nine hundred million for Powerball and Mega Millions, respectively. That's some wishful One thinking, drawing right is there. Tonight at seven, uh, the other drawing is on Fridays and Saturdays. Should they not make it? Well, I'm just saying, for a dollar or two dollars, depending on where you live, you, <laughs> we, we, us, the Mutable Podcast. Could have funding. <laughs> that's a big if. And what do they say about the chances of winning the lottery? Is like it's slimmer than getting hit by lightning. It's like two hundred twenty million to one. <laughs> so yeah. Which, if you win, you get more money than that dollar per amount. You get more than two hundred twenty million. So, it's a better investment, more than a dollar. Yeah, I wouldn't. For odds, I'm not sure. Wouldn't bet on it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, oh, let's I move on into television, and we always start the television corner. Wow, the television corner. That's a little slip of the tongue there. We always start the tel- television section of the show with the sports corner. That is the corner that we love to live in. And oh, uh, sports I live in. gets exciting. Uh, it's gotten exciting this week. Uh, yep, there it is. That's the sports corner uh, right over your head. Um, but before we get to the exciting sports news, we have the not so exciting sports news, which is about the UFC. Uh, Fight Island continues to be fought on, fought upon, I guess you could say. Um, they're changing their anti-doping policy. They will no longer punish athletes for positive tests for carboxy THC, aka marijuana. That makes sense. So smoke them if you got them, <laughs> or eat them if you like edibles, or you know. Just enjoy them. Enjoy them as you will. Or if you can find non-THC edibles, you can have those too. <laughs> well, anyways, yes. So they are removing uh, removing that from the um, banned substances for UFC fighters. So there you go. Moving on. On the other side of Fight Island, not so much Fight Island, but um, entertainment wrestling. WWE has confirmed WrestleMania locations and dates for their next three years. WrestleMania 37, the next one, will be April 10th and 11th, 2021 at Raymond James Stadium. WrestleMania 38 will be April 3rd, 2022 at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. And WrestleMania 39 will be held on April 2nd, 2023 at none other than the SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California, right here. So look forward yeah. to those. So if I was supposed to be this year, mm-hmm. but because Tampa Bay didn't get its uh, WrestleMania, instead it went to the online. Yeah. They, they're they making their apology and making it this year. 
because you can have fans there this year, unlike in SoFi. That makes sense. And you can also have fans in Texas, which is why Texas is next year. So which means hopefully by 2023, California will allow people in stands, which (laughs) is why it's been moved out to 2023. 2023 definitely seems a lot more realistic than anytime soon. So I'll go with a maybe. Solid maybe on that one. Well, I will probably be there when it comes to our hometown. (laughs) Or as close as it can be. (laughs) Why not, right? Hey, why not? Hey, why not? Oh, another sports here. Football is about to wrap up your favorite teams. Probably there are three games left. But there are three games left. There's three games left. Get ready for Championship Sunday, where you'll see big face-offs between the Packers and the Buccaneers and the Chiefs and the Bills. Now you said three games. Is the third one the Super Bowl then? Yes, the third one would be the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just had to double check because I was like, I'm discounting this somehow. Um, so yeah, uh, congratulations to these um final competitors here um who are your picks who are your picks who do you who feel comfortable uh saying they have a chance here is it uh brady's buccaneers it is uh, rogers and the packers or is it or is it uh chiefs the bills as much as i would like to see the bills win Mm -hmm. i think they have a good shot patrick mahomes is currently under concussion protocol oh um, also, of these four teams, only one of them has not won a Super Bowl. Interesting. That would be the Bills. That would be the Bills. Uh, the other three have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, that's assuming Patrick Mahomes will play for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, as for the Packers and Buccaneers, as much as I am rooting for the Packers, I have been told by one Mr. Murphy that I should not be rooting for them because he is a Vikings fan and Roger sucks. So I should be mm. rooting for the Buccaneers, unfortunately, maybe. I was going to say, Tom Brady. We, do we want Tom Brady to get into another Super Bowl, though? So no. here's my thought process really. around it. Should Tom Brady win, he would have conquered, he would have done what people said he couldn't do, which is conquer the AFC and get to the Super Bowl via <laughs> both sides of the mountain, the <laughs> NFC and the AFC. Sure, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I want somebody maybe to do that at some point. But do I want that somebody to be Tom Brady? No, no, I don't. Yeah, but you might not (laughs) want to, but let's put it this way. He's done the AFC through the Patriots. If he does it through the NFC and the Buccaneers, there's literally no other mountain for him to climb. He can retire saying that he was the best, that he won on both sides. But will he? Uh, That is the interesting question because (laughs) unlike Drew Brees who does not have a contract and although Drew Drew Brees lost this past Sunday and has not announced his retirement all signs do point to him retiring yeah I think Tom Brady is currently on a one-year contract so all things are up in the air Um, speaking of retirement right I was just going to mention this Uh, officially we got official word about Philip Rivers today Yes, Philip Rivers, uh, after 17 years, number 17, has decided to retire from the <laughs> NFL to spend more time with his kids and start yeah. a family. Yeah, go for it. Good for him. Yep. Uh, plans to add to his already nine children, <laughs> which makes him the 
fourth highest uh, children count in the current NFL. <laughs> or maybe that's NFL all time. I don't know. That's a lot of kids. There's a though. weird stat I saw on Twitter. It <laughs> is a weird stat. I don't know who's tracking that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, nine kids is a lot. Then again, 17 years is also a lot. <laughs> so congratulations to the former first round pick of the New York Giants, Philip Rivers, <laughs> for never playing a game for them. <laughs> <laughs> playing on the Giants. You know what? Worked out for him. You know, yeah. So if you don't know about the 2004 <laughs> NFL draft, definitely take a look at it because it is fascinating. And you would find it fascinating too if you don't know. Um, between the drama between Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Is there a 30 for 30 for that one? I'm not sure if there's a 30 for 30, but there's an NFL <laughs> films for it. Okay. <laughs> About 40 minutes on YouTube. Close enough. Watch. Same difference. Anyway. Anyways, um, speaking but, of yeah. people retiring and that 2004 draft, Ben Roethlisberger, also from that 2004 draft, yeah. also has not officially announced retirement, but seeing as the changing of the guard is upon us, it is expected for him to retire. Not confirmed, though. I mean, we talked about it last week about the influx of raw young talent in the league um, is good. And that means that we're going to have a fresh looking NFL coming up soon, as if, especially if some of these old fogies retire. Um, and yeah, here's looking at you, Tom Brady. Anyway, get, get off the field, old man. <laughs> Other sports. One last sport to talk about here. Uh, meanwhile, in baseball, the New York Mets have fired their GM after some in- inappropriate photos from 2016 resurfaced. He pulled a Brett Favre in 2016. Sounds like it. Uh, what, so, uh, yeah, he's gone. What do these pictures uh, comprise of? Search Brett Favre scandal. No, not for Brett Favre. For this dude. Same pictures. Okay. All right. Great. Awesome. Keep it in your pants, people. Mushrooms. <laughs> Gross. That's graphic. Um, okay. Mushroom. Toadstool. Ooh, no, thanks. Um, anything else in sports before we move on into television news? Uh, in pseudo sports. I call it pseudo sports um, because it's not really NASCAR, but it is car racing series. The Chili Bowl was this mm. past Sunday. Mm, chili Bowl. Delicious Chili Bowl. Yeah. Not what you think it is. <laughs> it's indoor racing on dirt. Ah. And a former band uh, NASCAR driver, current future champion, possibly, okay. Kyle Larson won. Okay. Um, with that said, NASCAR Daytona is coming in four weeks on February 14th. I think it's Valentine's Day that week. Um, and other NASCAR series races are approaching, including the 24-hour race at Daytona coming up soon. So look forward to that. And more cases in basketball keep getting... Uh, shown and games getting uh delayed 
really what makes you wonder, I was actually thinking about this kind of idly a couple of nights ago. Those makes you really think about how baseball is going to do anything next uh, in, in March because March is coming up very quickly. Right. But um, like they, they have to do spring training. Yeah. So I guess we'll know soon uh, what their plans are, but they've got to do something different, right? They can't do what they did last year in this situation. I was just even thinking about the prospect of the angels playing right now in a Southern California that's been just ravaged. Can they even play? Um, I mean, technically, depending I mean, on how yeah, you want to look at it. Yeah, technically, but in good conscience, can good they conscience, play? Like, you play? Yeah, what what owner says get out there right now with, you know, the ICUs full up and... Let's look at basketball. Hey, <laughs> should, are you telling right. your players to get out there and dribble? Yeah. And then when you look at basketball, it's like, if that's your example, unlike last year, if basketball is your example this year, it's a bad idea. You're looking at that and probably be like, I don't know. I believe there's supposed to be a new CBA with the players union coming up soon. Yeah, I wonder. Can they, because last year we mentioned that they couldn't strike. Could they strike this year? And would that affect things? What if the league says, go for it? And the players then use that as an opportunity to stand up against them. The players could also use it as a way to get gate attendance. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, money Especially at the gate. in places like Florida, where they're going to want to encourage crowds, the teams might have some pushback against yep. it. We'll see. This will be really interesting. I mean, last year, of course, we said that over and over again about baseball because we didn't know when it was going to start. But yeah, I think this year also is potentially a really interesting baseball scenario. I mean, just like with movies and box office, we don't know. We, we're we don't know to other people. Yeah. We learned, we learned last year not to predict too many things because every time we did, we were wrong. Right. And <laughs> lastly, as we noted last week, um, the start of the NHL mm-hmm. has begun and everyone that, has a win. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Except for the Kings. Oh, well, to be expected. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Uh, Chicago and Dallas are also winless, okay. but then again, Dallas has yet to play a game. Yeah. Because coronavirus. See, we're not talking about hockey as much here because they're at least doing regional divisions to keep travel to a minimum. Uh, we'll see what the effectiveness of that is. Cause as you already just now just mentioned, um, there's already some evidence that it might not be working. <laughs> so we'll yeah. see. All right. Sports. Yeah. You, you love them, but man, it's hard to see this stuff happen. Let's move on out of sports and let's talk about sports again, but the flip side of sports, the marketing side Specifically, the marketing for the biggest sports game of the year, the Super Bowl. Commercials, of course, a big draw uh, for the Super Bowl audience. It's one of the reasons why so many millions of eyes are on the Super Bowl every year. Right, because it's not just about who's playing on the field. It's about the new commercials because you get new movie trailers and some of the most memorable commercials of the year. Yeah. And new marketing campaigns. But of course... In the year since the last Super Bowl, um, a lot of brands have turned their eyes 
elsewhere from big marketing dollars. And here's a story about some of those brands. This year, both Pepsi and Coca-Cola have announced that they will not be running any commercials on its namesake sodas, so their main brands, due to this year's social climate, they say. Pepsi opted out of the running out of running a full ad for its flagship drink during the event and instead chosen to focus on, of course, its sponsored halftime show. Coca-Cola has confirmed it will not have a commercial during Super Bowl 40, 55, 55, is that what 55. 55. Um, citing that the company wanted to ensure we are investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times. For contrast, last year, the brand spent $10 million on an ad during Super Bowl 49, or no, 54. I'm all 54. over the place with Roman numerals today. <laughs> the decision made by the beverage companies to pull their commercials from the Super Bowl to the um, ads to the narrative, wrong kind of ads in this copy, uh, involving the advertising budget cuts brands have faced during the pandemic, of course. Other companies, including M&M's, Pringles, Toyota, and TurboTax, are all still slated to appear as in-game advertisements. But brands have been cautioned about striking the right tone in the midst of the pandemic and high socio-political tensions throughout the country. It's got to be weird to be in a marketing uh, firm right now uh, when you have to tackle such big topics. I mean, you don't want another uh, Pepsi, Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Social commentary on your hand. The cops like Pepsi. Yeah, you don't want that right now. That's not going to work. You also don't want to have your, say, Super Bowl party alcohol (laughs) have actual people surrounding with masks and drinking. Like, that's not a right look. You don't want to encourage gatherings. So, there eliminates all your, like, yeah, what you say is like the core of the beer ad, typically, people hanging out and drinking. You can't have that. I want to get back to Budweiser's Clydesdales playing football. I You would probably see some Clydesdales this year if I had to guess. Um, um, Budweiser is currently running its legacy promo ads where you see old ass mm-hmm. Bud Light commercials. I, I wonder if that's a Super Bowl. Yeah, that makes me think that that's a possible angle that some of these brands can take. Similar to what Geico did the year before yeah. when he voted on a sequel to some of its best commercials. Yeah. Again, I, I say s- voted on because internet voting is always <laughs> correct but yeah you could see some reheated ads from yesteryear from some of these brands i think maybe in lieu of creating new stuff um i could see some like very simple i could see some maybe a lot of animated ads this year um i did recently hear that animation is one of the uh television um productions that have not actually been slowed down too much from the coronavirus it seems like live action has been much harder to spin back up than animation has. Right. So that I is another angle that yeah. production has slowed, not just for right. TV and film, but for commercials as well. So um, yeah, I could live... see animated ads because you don't have to necessarily address any necessarily address any of these topics either in an animated ad. You can have it be in a fantasy world and then there's no connection to coronavirus or any of the social political stuff. You can have like hey, let's enjoy a Budweiser in a fairy world. You know, you could do it. Um, Dragon filing his taxes. You could do it. Do note, uh, even though Pepsi brand itself will not show it, so we'll add for Pepsi brand, 
Pepsi Company will still show ads for Mountain Dew yeah. and Frito Lace products. Yeah, it's just the main. They like said their namesake products, so that also leaves opportunity for Coke to do a Sprite ad if they want. It's not just, right. The just Sony ad, all those other yeah. brands. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, surely it'll be a very strange year for commercials um, during the Super Bowl. But hey, we'll be watching, as will probably everybody who listens to this podcast. <laughs> because if you listen to this podcast chances are you watch the super bowl odds the odds are probably in our favor on that one hey <laughs> that that venn diagram is just a circle let's be real <laughs> a lot of people do watch the super bowl it's true hundreds of millions let's talk about something else let's talk about production again but about in the uk across the pond as their situation has been a little different than ours. Right. Um, we don't talk about it here, but the UK had has the new strain of the coronavirus in yes. recent months. Of course, we've gotten months? it too now. It's an international strain at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it started there and started and yet another lockdown. I believe they're on three total as of this recording, um, separate complete lockdowns. But anyways... As you might have guessed, this has affected television and film production. Film and TV production has now been taken off the UK government's coronavirus travel exemption list, meaning those arriving in Britain to participate in shoots of all shapes and sizes will need to self-isolate for 10 days. Quote, if you are not exempt and you arrive in the UK, you will need to self-isolate for 10 days, the government said on a webpage explaining the rules. When you arrive in England, you must travel directly to the place you are staying and not leave. Arrivals in England can use the test to release scheme, which means you can pay for a private coronavirus test after five days and be released from self-isolation early if you return a negative result. There were 38,600 new cases of coronavirus across the UK on Sunday, while 700 people died within 28 days of receiving a positive test. There have now been a total of 90,000 COVID-related deaths in Britain, which is pretty large uh, compared to the U.S. number, 400,000. Um, they're still doing better than we are. <laughs> but percentage-wise, that's a big chunk of the British population. Um, not just percentage-wise, but area-wise as well, because Britain is yeah. not very big. Very small landmass compared to the U.S., for sure. Um, this is also in con- butting heads against its fight with the EU. If you've been following those kind of politics as well. Post-Brexit era has not been starting very well for the UK. (sighs) So, yeah, it's just a disaster everywhere. Not just here, um, but in other countries as well. Some have it more handled than others. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it's another one of these, one of these stories where we're just going to say, hey, we don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this continues, but at least they're doing some sort of precautions for people flying in to uh, work on perca- uh, work on productions. I wonder how many of these studios would move them from Pinewood to Georgia. I don't know. I don't know if um, how viable that is because that also relies on people traveling, and the U.S. is probably also just as harsh to people traveling from the U.K. knowing about that variant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Know. You just have to add that to your production schedule of, okay, we're having these people <laughs> fly in, but we need an extra five down. to 10 days before we actually start filming. Yeah. It's just a, it's gotta be a nightmare for people doing that planning. All and the logistics. 
I could not. Here's a job that nobody's talked about. That's probably could be an impossible over the last last year. Executive assistant. <laughs> Can you imagine being an executive assistant in the last year? Like, man, just having to reschedule a billion appointments for your for your boss every day. A, a new Olympic event. <laughs> Logistics, gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta shuffle around everything to make it all fit <laughs> here's here's a here's a, a outlook calendar figure it out <laughs> in front of a bunch of judges it's like 9.0 anyway <laughs> wow they called southwest and got a refund wow anyway it's worth at least half a point hey, let's talk about olympics television. are this year by the way huh reminder that the olympics are this year We'll see. We'll see. Because <laughs> then one of the stories I don't have in video games, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, is that Japan has now delayed the Super Nintendo World opening yet again. Um, uh, if the country is going to have an Olympics, I don't know how they're going to do it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But it's time to talk about something a little bit more, uh, less dreary than... Uh, constant coronavirus talk this week on the podcast it's time instead to talk about tv we've been watching yes um tv is still happening and we have uh caught up or at least i have caught up on the new shows yeah from winter premieres so Let's talk about some of them yeah which one do you have written down already i don't have anything written down I'm waiting for you to talk <laughs> oh okay uh let's talk with the one that i teased last week okay um, I had the two-parter, uh, the Tiger Woods documentary, or I'm sorry, let me throw quotes around that documentary because it's more of a biography as, as Tiger Woods himself does not appear in this except through interviews. Sure. And it's a lot of people close to Tiger Woods talking about Tiger Woods but not specifically Tiger Woods himself appearing. Like the last dance, if you pulled all the Michael Jordan footage out of it, like the current. I wouldn't watch that though. Yeah. So, so <laughs> is that you telling me that this thing's not good? Because I, I was this close to watching it. I had it on up on my HBO max screen. I was about to press a on the Xbox controller and just go for it. And then I was like, actually, I don't really care. And I did. And I watched something else. (laughs) (laughs) So how is this uh, two-parter about Tiger? It depends on your love of Tiger Woods and your understanding of Tiger Tiger Woods history. Yeah, I don't have any. Because this is a two-parter. Part one is building up the man, the myth, the legend that is Tiger Woods, how he became the powerhouse of the golf world. That is Mm -hmm. his brand and how his father earl woods helped him achieve that and basically pushed him to a maddening skill set the likes of which have never been seen (laughs) except by phil milkelson who came on after him and has challenged him every step of the way (laughs) Uh so that's part one it's building up the legend sure which means part two is destroying said legend only for the comeback right and part two yeah part two is where things get interesting because it does delve into the darker side that yeah kind of puts the stain on the tiger woods legacy 
the the modern interpretation of Tiger. <laughs> so, part one ends with Tiger Woods's father's Earl Woods' death. Yeah, very significant, very heartbreaking, very trying time in Tiger Woods' life, as his father had been there every step of the way. There's the famous photos and videos of him hugging his dad after he won the first Masters and subsequent championships from then. Mm-hmm. Having his father not there, not in his life, not only like loosened the reins on him, but kind of broke him because he didn't have that father figure yeah. around and in his life. And he was, according to the people in the dock, very lost and very free and very not caring as much which mm-hmm. led to the subsequent frequent trips to Vegas, yeah. frequent escorts that he was not shy about, frequent visits to clubs, and the frequent mistresses and affairs that kind of rocked the sports world of Tiger Woods in the late 2000s. There is a parallel. Speaking of Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, there's a parallel you can draw. Both men extremely talented, extremely famous, lose a father. And then you have a lot of questionable decisions in the wake of that. Of course, you could argue that Tiger's legacy ended up being a lot more negative because it was a lot more front-facing. The Michael Jordan stuff was a lot more rumors. It was a lot more speculation. But the Tiger, you know... All of it was just taped on video and everybody saw it. Well, even with Michael Jordan, that's a team sport. You can, that too. he had Dennis Rodman there for the media to point the cameras at mm-hmm. and say, look at his antics. Don't look at you mine. Had, you, had deflectors. you had deflectors. You had more deflectors with with Michael Jordan. In golf, yeah. that's a solo sport. All you Focus right on, on him. him. Yeah. Unavoidable. Especially really. when you have his father come out and say that he's going to be the Messiah that changes the game. All eyes will continuously be on him at (laughs) a high level. Yeah, high stakes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it goes kind of in-depth about Mm -hmm. all that scandal, including the post-Thanksgiving, I crashed my car, and uh, post-DUI, I'm in a jail cell. Mm -hmm. But it does seem to... Is lowest points, but it does seem to rush through them very quickly Mm -hmm. as it doesn't spend a whole lot of time because there were so many to get through. Yeah. That it was like attack, 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 attack. Now we need to make sure we put all these attacks in the first hour Mm -hmm. in order to have the last half hour as the redemption arc. 2019 masters where he makes his full return and wins the masters yeah because if you're making this you want the story to have a happy ending at least as happy as you can get it to so yeah unfortunately you yeah it does mean you kind of have to blaze past a lot of the stuff uh that wasn't so great um which is yeah when you spend the first uh episode the first (laughs) hour and a half building him up only to have the next hour yeah tear him down so you can have a half hour to resolute everything 
Yeah, but then then my question is, and I kind of alluded to this by using scare quotes around comeback earlier, is is it really that much of a comeback? Because beyond that Masters, he's underperformed in most of the tournaments he's played since he his comeback. He is ranked number one still, or at least in the top 10 now. But I feel like every time there's a big like, oh, he's going to be part of this, he's never the winner. Mm, no. But <laughs> you do see him relaxing more. And he does go into this sure. in a bit more in-depth in the doc that from his post rehab, because he is now considered the old guard on the tour. Yeah. He's no longer has that very Pressure. fierce competitive locked in tiger mode. Yeah. But rather a more relaxed, I'm here to enjoy myself and to have more of a camaraderie on the golf with whoever I'm playing against with these other competitors. I wonder how much of that is golf uh, as opposed to tiger's actual drive. Like, heh, no pun intended. Um, do you, Is it like, I'm not super familiar with the history of golf or its most important players, but is that typical of a golfer in like the back end, again, not a on-purpose pun, of, um, of their career is to kind of chill and let the young ones who are hungrier um, get the publicity? Or is this specifically unique to Tiger? Like, were there golf legends that fought tooth and nail Again, not a pun on Tiger's name uh, to the end of their careers, or did they all just kind of, you know, ease on the brakes? Uh, I believe it varies from person to person because okay. when you're young and in your height in your prime, <laughs> you're gung ho. You want to win right. everything that you enter. Right. I think now Tiger's basically chasing ghosts in terms of. <laughs> Arnold Palmer's championship number. Yeah. And at the same time, Phil Nicholson's trying to get distance from him. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't have that many people to compete against at this point in his career. That being said, he's still competitive. He still tries to remain competitive, even in his 20 plus years on the tour. Yeah. It's been a while. But that's also not what necessarily what this doc is about. Right. It's about the buildup of those first 10, 15 years mm-hmm. and then the fall of the last 10. Yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting because um, I feel like he's I don't want to say that the world has forgotten his lowest points, but I feel like it's now just an asterisk on a career as opposed to if you asked anybody 10 years ago, everybody would say, oh, that that washed up dude like who cares it does go into that yeah. a bit where people are saying or where people did turn on him mm-hmm. immediately following not only the dui arrest but mm-hmm. the car crash as well so and when his affairs came out that people mm-hmm. immediately turned and saw him as a villain because yeah. as they explained in the doc people and media love tearing their heroes down in order to humanize them or yeah or to feel like they're not that better than us than us normal folks there is an element to that and i think done well a documentary can address that in an intelligent way my worry about this one and of course i didn't actually watch it 
Um, but is yeah, is if they do speed past that stuff, and I just don't want them to, for lack of a better term, whitewash it away. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. It's a hard, it's a hard balancing act, and it really depends on what the person act, does. I don't think they do it enough justice in the hour and a half given. Yeah, in episode two. Which is why, come whenever Tiger was does decide to retire and do a last dance tell all, because I feel, yeah. Yeah. since the last dance was so good, everyone's going to be wanting to do that now. You're going to see a lot of that kind of style for sure. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say about like, Tiger Woods is, to me, he won't be a super important golf uh, golf legend until there is a drink that I can buy in my, in my grocery store that is created by him <laughs> until he has an Arnold Palmer. I believe he is <laughs> co-sponsored in body armor drink. Not the same. I mean, like, Oh, you want actual you... like, named for him. You want to buy yeah, the woods named for him, not branded tiger woods. <laughs> I want like an Ar- 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 Arnold Palmer style. Like what is the tiger woods? What is that drink? Is it like, I think it's gin and tonic now. The gin and tonic, <laughs> just pre-made gin and tonic. It's like, oh, I'm drinking a Tiger Woods over here. That is the ultimate golf legend status, if you ask me. You're not a golf legend until you have a drink. Okay, you're doing that. You're based off of one person, though. I know. Arnold Palmer is the only <laughs> golf legend. That is your bar for golf. That's your golf knowledge, right there. Yes, that's Arnold my golf. Le- my golf knowledge is delicious iced tea lemonade. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, what else did you watch? Uh, what else did I watch? Um, oh, is that a is that a stream it or a pass or where are you sitting on that? Uh, stream it if you're interested in Tiger Woods. Otherwise, okay. it's not going to give you any new information that you didn't already know, unless you're yeah. born within the past ten years and only know him from the 2019 champion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that person is, but they're probably 16 and they don't listen to this podcast. Hey, I'm just saying that. <laughs> We have an all an E rating for everyone, even though there is an explicit tag on it. That's so. not true at all. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> um, just old fogies only. If you're under 25, you're not allowed to listen to this. It's fun. Throwing the gauntlet down right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can. It's fine. Anyway, you just won't understand anything that we say. All right. Anyways, <laughs> if you are an old folks like us, remember to call your mother. Oh, are you going to talk about the sitcom titled? Call your mother. Hey, why not? That's a good uh, segue. <laughs> so, call your mother, as I alluded to last week, stars yes. Kira Sedwick. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, former Mrs. Kevin Bacon, <laughs> or current Mrs. Kevin Bacon. I don't think they broke up. I think they're still married. So, current Mrs. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> uh, yes. No longer does drama. Now she's doing comedy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, what I mean, she might, show? might the still do drama. Instigator. What was the name of that show on TNT? <laughs> the Closer. The Closer. The Closer. That's right. She was the Closer for a long time. Yeah, she is still, I can confirm, she is still married to Kevin Bacon since 1988. Isn't that like Footloose years? Yeah. Oh, prime Kevin Bacon. That's if you Prime will. Kevin Bacon. That's when you still had six degrees of him. <laughs> Yeah, some prime cut bacon right there. Just just the best, crispiest, you know. Non-Canadian bacon. Non-Canadian, very American. Sorry, continue. 
So uh, Kira Sedwick um, takes uh, her former drama and tosses it out the window, becomes your mother. Um, this premise is very, very simple. Is this just mom? The television show Mom? Kind of. Okay. Uh, this is, I have, my mom, my son has not called me back in four days, so I am going to fly across country to California and surprise my son because he has not called me in a week. Okay, seems like a bad idea, but okay. Yes, but that's also hijinks and hilarity ensues. Oh, sure. Um, so she arrives in California and immediately surprises her son, who unbeknownst to her, has a girlfriend she has never heard of. So hmm. she also visits her, da- her daughter to see, like, oh, did you know that your brother was dating someone? To which she's met with, oh, you're not the roommate my daughter told me about. Mm-mm. I clearly know nothing of my children now. So instead of, like, flying back home and being like, okay, my, my kids are moving on. She decides to stay in California to be closer to her kids who are trying to have a life of their own. I see. It's a simple premise. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. It's mom, mom comes back into two of her kids' lives and they have to deal with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does have a lot of charm to it, though. I'm okay. surprised how homey and heartfelt it was that's good yeah i want to say a lot of that comes from its director pamela fryman mm-hmm. of how i met your mother fame how of friends thing long tenured sitcom direction yes yes and it definitely shows because this could have easily been similar to call me cat Mm-hmm. similar in style where you have the mom trying to butt into their kids' lives. But it does take the homie approach of the kids working it out to apologize to the mom rather than the mom being necessarily in the wrong because she's a caring mom. She wants to be there for her kids. And as one of the uh, characters say that not a lot of moms would do that, would... Uh, stick their neck out. Yeah, for better or for worse. For better or for worse, <laughs> want to be a part of their kids' lives. Right, right. So it has that extra homey kind of goody, mushy family mm-hmm. comedic take to it. Sure. So of the it sounds like of the the sitcom pilots of the last couple of weeks, uh, this seems to be the best of the bunch. If I had to gauge your your feelings here of the new stuff yes mm. of the not premiere of the winter replacements not by yeah. much but <laughs> considering what has been given this yeah. is the better of the bunch yeah that's good at least one doesn't suck is i right. guess what we'll say um the kira cedric's character is also un well the husband died years ago and so she's been raising her kids as a single mother for the past 10 plus years. Okay. So when she moves out, you know, she basically like upends her life and moves out to an Airbnb indefinitely in California and rents a room from an also recently a uh, single man. 
Uh, I forget if, if they're parents or not, but they're in the process uh, of divorce. As his wife just up and left one day. So there is some chemistry romance there since she's living, technically living with him. Right. And then will they, won't they? Because they are grown ass adults who <laughs> don't need each other. But you can also see the easy setup of, oh, they're obviously going to get together eventually. Yeah, or they will develop happen. some type of sexual chemistry or <laughs> at the minimum a friendship. Yeah, we'll see. So you're going to stick around with it? Possibly, but also in like a binge kind of type of scenario. You're not going to be a weekly thing. You'll just watch them when you have time. I mean, much like I did with the first season of Superstore, where I watched the first couple on a weekly basis and then waited till the end of the season to catch up. Watch them all. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, But it does check off a lot of the typical studio audience tropes of multicam comedies. It is yeah. multi-cam, by the way. As you'd imagine. It yeah. Uh, cool yeah. beans. So call your mother. The su- I... Could be the, the surprise hit of the season. Yeah. Which, if any marketing executive is listening to it, <laughs> put me on that. Media Bow Podcast. The surprise <laughs> hit of the season. You heard it here. Anyway, what else? What else? What else? Uh, lastly, in new TV, I teased this last week. It's been on our radar for a while. It's finally here. WandaVision. Oh, do you want to talk about this now? Because I watched this as well. Oh, okay. Then let's skip it to the end because we probably have a lot to <laughs> no, talk let's, about it. Let's get over with. Let's just talk about it now. Well, I can get through the other stuff real fast too. Uh, my thing is going to take like three seconds. So. Exactly. Same with the other stuff. So let's get through all that first. Okay. All right. Uh, 911 returns uh, this past Monday. Same with Good Doctor. Mainly 911, they continue to raise their stakes and continues to be the ham in fist over the top show <laughs> that I kind of adore that they're doing it because <laughs> it's so stupid. It wraps back around to being like, Yeah, this is dumb that this exists. So it's I'm so keep stupidly it. over the top yeah. and yeah. put into such ridiculous scenarios that. It wraps back around to I genuinely care if you make this out alive or not. <laughs> okay. But it's still so, that premise. It's still calls come in and send out the people and then... Oh, in this uh, two-part season or mid-season... I guess it's the season premiere. We delayed yeah, it. mid-season. Yeah, in this two-part season premiere, the LA Dam breaks. <laughs> okay. And starts flooding part of the city. No. So, yes. Imagine dealing with that now. Yeah, I'd rather not, but okay. In addition to the tsunami they had last year, in addition to the earthquake <laughs> they had the season before that, the San Andreas <laughs> earthquake style. Yeah, this universe. In addition to the hostage situation that they had previous seasons. Yeah. I guess just having a show to the where. train derailment yeah. that happened. If it was just people collapsing and like super like low stake stuff every week, it wouldn't be fun. They have to have like ridiculous things happen. Well, no, when you do have those kind of weeks, you generally have more of the um, fire captain, fire um, company interactions in between yeah. those kind of small stake stuff. But they always ratchet it up for the season premieres. Sure. 
as a way to not only show promos of, look how crazy this is. How are they going to get out of this one? <laughs> but also as a way to like draw new viewers like, what if this happened? How would they do it? How would they survive and get through it? So yeah, stakes keep getting raised <laughs> to like a ridiculous level. Delicious. And then you anyway. also uh, wrapped up a series as well. Well, I'm continuing it. Um, so last week I mentioned uh, I started watching season one of Apple TV Plus's Dickinson to get caught up to the current season, which is airing now. All caught up now. Um, yeah, so season two, off to a pretty solid start. It's just as charming as season one was. It's quirky. Its tone is bizarre, but charming. Um, I like the things that they've done with the characters. I like the new characters they've introduced. And um, it's an interesting premise. Um, this is not really a spoiler because it's real life. It happened. But uh, basically where we're at right now is Emily Dickinson is interacting with a newspaper magnate uh, who has promised to publish her work. Big deal, because in this time, a lot of women were not published. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the stakes it's set up. So she is now... It looks like where the series is headed is kind of this inner conflict within Emily where does she want to be famous for her poetry? What does what is the effects of fame in the 1860s? Like, what does that mean? And so there's a lot of um, playing around with metaphor and playing around with um, the how that changes her interaction with her friends and family and stuff. So it's, yeah. They're still doing a really good job with that show, and uh, that's a weekly show on Fridays. So, uh, when the season wraps up in um, in a month or two, I will um, see how it all lands, and I'll talk about it here again. So we'll see. Yeah. And lastly, in recent TV, <laughs> as of today, as of hours ago, uh, we mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but because it was on TV, we're going to list it here. We'll talk about. A little bit. We'll talk a lot more a little later, actually, um, in music. But, um, yeah, that happened. Yep. Uh, We have a new president. Inauguration happened. The inauguration happened this morning. Um, I did not watch it. I listened to it because I was working. Mm -hmm. I had NPR on in my earbuds. Um, But, yeah, it was exactly what you thought it would be. Um, Pretty strong uh, speeches. Um, I like that poem. The, the the poet laureate uh, uh, did a very amazing poem uh, just about the current situation. Twenty year old poet. Twenty two, I believe. Twenty two. Yeah, only twenty two. Um, but yeah, it was a it was, it was entertainment and uh, uh, went out, off without a hitch. Uh, they had a lot of security forces there, but they did not seem to need them as there was no active threat in uh, near the inauguration. Or if there was an active threat. They it stopped it. Stopped, yeah, presumably. Um, yeah, it seemed like um, everything that was planned, the music stuff we'll get to in the music section. But yeah, yeah, it was it was it was what we thought it was gonna be. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> um, but we need to talk about the big thing in television this week. Yes, yes, we do. All right, so you seem to be raring and ready to talk about this thing. I want to get your take on Marvel Studios' first streaming television show for uh, for Apple, or Apple Disney Plus, WandaVision. 
intercapped. You mean the first uh, <laughs> new episodes. material of phase four that we've gotten in over yeah. a year? That as well. New Marvel content in a year after a year starved of it. Um, what do you think about the first two episodes of Wonder WandaVision? I'm of two minds. Okay. The first one being this is 1950s ode to TV, 1960s history of television type series where I love this. This is a (laughs) Hollywood ass Hollywood going for the Oscar because Hollywood loves Hollywood type of setting. It's very much a throwback to a lot of those kind of old shows of Bewitched, Dick Van Dyke show, Mary Tyler Moore, Leave it to Beaver. Um, Very those, I mean, I love Lucy, I have to say that, obviously. Honeymooners. Um, Type of old school television where the stakes were very low and every conflict was from a mishearing, misinterpretation, misconception. Mm -hmm. And so... From that, it was nice, but also there was the underlining tone of a Twilight Zone. Uh, There's all there's something mysterious happening behind the curtain. Something's Mm -hmm. just off enough to where I'm questioning what I'm seeing. I'm noticing more details of stuff, and I want more of these mystery boxes to be unwrapped. The second part of me, though, however, <laughs> and which is my general audience take on this, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? <laughs> okay. Because as a general audience member watching this, your first off is why is it in letterbox? Why is it in letterbox? Why am I watching this in four three? Why is everything in black and white? Who is this character? What are you doing here? Isn't Vision supposed to be dead? I have so many questions. I'm already lost and we're 10 minutes into this thing. So from that, (laughs) yes, it has a lot of mystery boxes that I hope they answer in the coming episodes. But as a fan of TV and critical of TV, I like what they're doing. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. It is a hybrid thing that I think that it's almost kind of unfair to evaluate as a whole from the two first episodes, just because we know what the structure is likely going to be. This is how it starts, but I'm sure by the end of this season, we will have a peek behind that curtain that you mentioned. We will probably know at least the scenario setup and why we are being presented uh, with this interpretation of the characters. It's just that until we get there, there's going to be that feeling of, what is this thing? Because the secret is purposefully obfuscated from us. And that's a big difference between this and, say, The Mandalorian. It's the opposite of The Mandalorian in a lot of ways, yeah. However, with The Mandalorian, you at least had a resolution at the end of every episode or a pointing (laughs) to what was going to happen in the next episode. And you kind of do here in a way because if you're treating the past the sitcom pastiche as their own sitcom episodes they do have the structure of a sitcom episode they do have endings but you're right if you care about 
the characters, the main characters in this, and that you care about their ultimate fate, you don't get resolution. You're right. There is kind of a, it's heavier on the serialization in this way where you, yeah, that not knowing about what the actual story that's happening in the background does leave you wanting to know what's happening. Um, Also, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but there was a definite shift from, well, first, I'm glad they put two episodes out first because otherwise you'd be lost after the first episode. Yeah. But that being said, from the first episode, which was clearly throwback to early television where everything was in studio Mm -hmm. to the second episode where where there was a lot more of it took place in an outdoor setting because you could do a lot more and have more freedom with the cameras as TV went on, which is something you're not going to notice or know about unless you're people like us who took TV classes and understand that kind of thing. So that's one of the fascinating things about the show. And I want to talk about a couple of, couple of things. Cause overall, just to, just to get out of the way, I'm pretty positive on this. Um, oh I'm yeah. Coming say, in, no, I'm positive yeah, too. I came and I'm coming in not completely blind. Cause I've seen all the, most of the, the, the films in which actually I've seen all the films that they are in. These You're characters welcome. are in. You're welcome for that. Check those boxes. <laughs> um, but from a, like a bigger viewpoint, like I'm coming in kind of blind. I don't know anything about these characters' background from the comics. I don't necessarily know a lot about the powers that they have. Um, so I'm coming in in that way, kind of without a background. I only know what's happened in the films. So, but I am, as you said, you are coming from a like a base of knowledge about television, about sitcom history, especially. And so it's an interesting kind of like way to see this show is coming out of for you depending on who you are you're going to come at it from different angles like you said and that's in a way really interesting um the thing that i like the most about it though is not that it's doing all these disparate things and somehow making it work even though that is pretty cool my favorite thing about it is that it's able to do it that sense of dread you're talking about that sense of questioning I think works so well in its favor because you can watch it on one level, which is I'm watching these superhero characters from another context in a pastiche of um, the Dick Van Dyke show in the first episode and then bewitched in the second. And, but then if you have that extra knowledge, you can add that layer of, yeah, but actually where are what's going on why are they we seeing little hints of the outside world and i think that that tension the best example of that tension is in the first episode i'm gonna get into minor spoiler just to make this point if you haven't watched the first episode i guess pause this watch it and come back uh, <laughs> but when when the boss um chokes and you have that tension Hot. yeah you have that tension at the table where it's unclear what is causing this. It's unclear why they're not helping him. And you're just sitting there being like, what is what is this? What is happening right now? It's also the first instance of something's completely off here. The right. first instance of who's actually in control yeah. as, you're, as the camera yes. pans around the room to the different characters. 
to me, that scene is this show. And I think we're only going to see more examples of that kind of tension as the show goes on, as we kind of go in. So it's that combined with the idea that you're talking about with seeing how they go through the evolution of television as well. Like we're going to get a color episode next week um, as we kind of go forward in time. And what they do even further than that, like, do we have like a 90s sitcom take? Do we have like a Seinfeld episode? Like what, how far do they take this concept, right? I want a 24 very surrealistic (laughs) show episode. Do they do The Office? Like what, like there's so many options for them to do. Do they do an animated episode? They have so many options. Right. Also, do they stick in the comedy genre or does it change to the hour long dramatic yeah. format? Yeah. Does it go to a grand scale of Game of Thrones? Does it go to the reality series, even mm-hmm. of something like Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race type of Who style? Knows? Who knows? That's the thing. And that is the thing that's most exciting about this, sh- this show. Or those are the two things that are the most exciting parts about the show for me. Is it one, where does this premise go? Do they commit to the bit? And do we just go further in television history until they have to resolve the story at the end of the season? So that's the one kind of thing that's going to keep me watching this thing. And two, is that tension that I was talking about, like, how do they deal with these worlds intersecting and how does that evolve as we go on? Does it bleed further and further every episode that we get into the season? Are we going to end up in a place where the reality tears in a, in a way? A lot of people that I've seen on online are comparing this to um, the X-Men show Legion that was on FX. Yes. And saying that it too kind of played around with the reality of the world it was presenting. But the difference between those two things, I think, is really key and to me liking it. Because I saw a couple episodes of Legion and did not like it. And I think the reason why I didn't like that and do like this is literally just the level of like pretension, I think, is different. I think what they're trying to do with something like Legion is being like, yeah, we're so smart that you don't understand what's happening. Like kind of a lot of people's criticize, like criticism of Christopher Nolan's movies is in a lot of ways, which well, is even <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah. Or, or, or lost is like, is like, Oh, they want you to think they're so smart coming up with this thing. This is not that this is just literally like, no, we're having fun with the premise. We're having some adventurous, like we're trying something new here that yeah, we're going to play around with and there's going to be some mystery to it, but it's not going to be hard to solve. Like, I don't get any vibe from this that this is going to be internet, you know, theorizing or conspiracies happening. This is more like going to be like, it's going to tell a story. It's going to be fun and we're going to have fun with it. It's not going to be a whole lot of questions. Well, that's the thing about Marvel is that even as much praise as they want to like Black Panther and Endgame and Thor Ragnarok, their premise and plot are still very basic that you know what <laughs> characters want, you know their drive, right. and you know their goals. As soon as it's you get away from that for the yeah. lowest common denominator. I mean you could while say it's still being high yeah. concept, high art form. You could say it's the difference between the Marvel films and the DC films, kind of writ large. It's like 
they're doing this very specific audience pleasing kind of take. Whereas the DC stuff relies so heavily on like, no, these are serious. Like these stories, like they're so dark and these characters are doing dark things. I have to make dark decisions. And it's that, it's that difference again, where it's like, no, like they know what they're making here and it's a light enough tone, which is to your second point about being like, if you were coming in with no prior knowledge, would you like this? And I actually disagree with, with, with your conclusion there. I think that this is still accessible. And the reason why I think it's still accessible is because it is using those, those touchstones of television and history. You can come in and be like, oh, this is a fun little thing. And then I think those, those scenes, the tension and the little Easter eggs that are hinting at a bigger picture, I think isn't going to drive people away. I don't think it's going to make them go, ah, I don't know what's going on. I think because the tone is lighter and it's more fun and adventurous, I think that's going to intrigue the average watcher. I think the average audience member, if they don't have any previous knowledge of the Avengers, are going to be like, actually, I do want to know what's happening here because I don't have any prior knowledge. I actually think it'll work in its favor. And you only get there by going to episode two, though. Yeah. If you do episode one and yeah. only see one and like, oh, this clearly isn't for me. Don't stop. You need to watch episode <laughs> two to get that fuller picture. And yeah, and and that's of course the the broader thing too is that as you go further in the series, it is going to be easier to figure out what how what they're going to do with the premise. But from what I've seen, I think there's a lot of promise. I think there's potential, and honestly props to marvel to even have the balls to do something like this with their characters right Mm -hmm. like if you would have told somebody watching iron man in a theater in 2008 that this would eventually at the end of this road you would have a 1950s 60s sitcom pastiche starring two marvel comic pack uh characters you'd be like what are you talking about (laughs) it's completely out of left field but i'm glad that they're taking the risk Yeah, I'm also glad that they're doing a lot of, like, for my own sake, (laughs) television pastiche and um, lore to it. Yeah, that stuff's so fun. I didn't even realize until somebody on the internet pointed out that the sets are literally sets designed after existing sitcom sets. Mm -hmm. The first episode is supposedly the Dick Van Dyke Show set, and the second is the Bewitched set. And people with even deeper television knowledge than me recognize that immediately. And that in itself is astonishing attention to detail. Right. I mean, one of the first things is when Vision carries Wanda into their living room that he phases through the couch or the chair. (laughs) When in the Dick Van Dyke show, he would trip over said chair. (laughs) That's cute. Um. Also noting, I mean, I'll go back to the shooting of indoors and outdoors in sets because mm-hmm. back in the 50s, you could only shoot indoors because of lighting and film and what was available. It mm-hmm. wasn't until much later when they went to tape that you could film and proper, properly light stuff outdoors, which is why the second episode mainly takes place outdoors as will, TV went on. I will note one minor thing uh that wasn't even my thing uh i was watching this with friend of the show christy at least the first episode Mm -hmm. and (laughs) she was kind of the one point of confusion for her she was fine with it uh uh, but the one point of confusion for her was is she did not understand what the hell their powers were 
And I also kind of concur. It is not this show or the movies that they're in do not make it 100% clear that these are the extent of what they can and can't do. And I think that that's exacerbated here because because they have to do sitcom plots, there are things that they can't do because it would just instantly solve the plot they're in. So I get why maybe if you were coming in from the outside, that would be a point of contention is if you tried to apply any logic whatsoever to these episodes, you would find holes. But my response to that to her was, they're supposed to be doing a 50 sitcom. It's not supposed to make sense. <laughs> also note the clothing. The clothing is error appropriate. Right. Very, right. very uh, on brand to the costume design over there. It's, like I said, the attention to detail is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you do not see this anywhere else. Uh, also, just real quick, because I want to throw it out there because I haven't seen this anywhere mm-hmm. yet. But in the beginning of episode two, when they're in separate beds, that was because in the fifties they were Correct. supposed to be in separate. You couldn't show Correct. a couple in the same bed. That was a big deal when a show finally did have a couple in two. In it the was same I bed. Love Lucy who yep. showed them in the same bed. So when they moved them together and switched to. <laughs> From twin beds to a full king. Yeah. The, in the 50s or 60s or whatever, that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Somebody on the internet was also pointing out that that is kind of a reference to early period Bewitched being very different styli- stylistically from late period Bewitched, mm-hmm. if you compare episodes. And they did eventually have a single bed. <laughs> yes. Also, um, note the symbol of the sword symbol everywhere. Um, I did watch yeah. this with uh, the audio, enhanced audio on. So yeah, I don't know but, what that means. So that's that's beyond my knowledge. That, that is comic book knowledge. I won't spoil yeah. it. Okay. But I will say that if you've been watching Marvel films, you have seen that before. I do not remember. I won't say where. <laughs> yeah, don't remember at all. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's potential to it. I'm going to continue watching it uh, because... It has just enough of a hook in me where I'm like, I want to see what they do. All right. And if you don't know what Wanda and Vision are and where they're (laughs) from and want to get a quick recap instead of watching all 20 plus films, you can watch on Disney Plus marvel's legends so i saw this this existed and so the newest episode of that breaks down their their whole deal in the comics first two episodes are up one covers wanda's story and one Mm -hmm. covers vision story there is nothing i want to i want to stress this okay there is nothing new or groundbreaking in these episodes yeah it is some is basically became someone's youtube project (laughs) to take what was given to them from the marvel films and break it down to just solely those characters yeah and so anyone who knows nothing of marvel can watch these and understand what the character does their powers and their kind of breakdown origin story through the mcu films themselves without having to watch the whole thing that's good. I'm glad that that's available to people. <laughs> but I just want to stress, Marvel's Legends brings nothing new to the table. Yeah, it's just a... Just it's a recap. To, yeah, it's just a recap to establish a baseline for people who don't have it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I think we're done. 
yeah anything else i mean it's 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 yeah i'll we'll we'll probably say more of it when the season's over i would assume um i'm not sure if it's eight episodes or ten episodes but we will wrap it up when the season ends yeah but yeah watch at least the first two episodes yeah don't don't knock it off just yet they work best as a pair i agree or wait till friday to watch all three yeah we'll have another one in two short days so Mm -hmm. we'll see all right anything else on television before we move on to cancellations and renewals uh real quick there was new new there was no new episode of this is us this week because of production problems from the coronavirus Mm, we could not finish episodes in time so we will have awkward breaks between episodes this may not be just before uh the show this is us could be for other shows but do make that in scheduling your watching viewing tv that you have recorded you may not be getting new episodes every week who can say who knows what production schedule or like uh television schedules will look like in the next few months yeah anyway are we ready to move on to cancellations and renewals yes what am i no longer watching all right here's a handful of things you are continuing and no longer watching first up hbo has said the season five will be the last season of insecure so i guess it's been secured uh, TNT is, uh, said Animal Kingdom's sixth season will be its last. Meanwhile, on OWN, Queen Sugar has been renewed for a sexy sixth season. Don't know where that slip of the tongue was. Uh, HBO has canceled High Maintenance after four seasons. I thought that show had already ended, but okay. Uh, four seasons on TV, six seasons online somewhere yeah some it, it pre it existed previous to the hbo yeah yeah but that's just canceled now yeah. uh netflix will uh have the last season of peaky blinders be at six the sixth season will be its last so no more peaky blinders i still to this day have no idea what that show is still have not seen an episode of it <laughs> uh peacock has renewed the saved by the bell reboot for a second season that sounded like you enjoyed that one hello Yes, called it. Yep, she called that. Um, BET is bringing back Sisters. That's how it's written uh, for a third season, just to be clear. Uh, True TV canceled at home with Amy Starris after three seasons. And TNT is bringing back Snowpiercer, the television show based on the movie, for a third season. Next up, we do have some deaths to get to. Big week, unfortunately, for um, high-profile deaths. Let's uh, get to the list here. First up, Siegfried Fischbacher, age 81, a magician entertainer. The other half of Siegfried and Roy. That makes sense. Joanne Rogers, 92, pianist and puppeteer, performed on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Was also married to Mr. Rogers. There you go. Next up, David Richardson, age 65, a writer, producer on shows like The Simpsons, Two and a Half Men, and F is for Family. Mm-hmm. So, tenured comedy writer and producer. Dale Bayer, age 70, an animator, worked on movies at Disney, 
such as The Lion King, Robin Hood, and Emperor's New Groove. So it was at the studio for uh, multiple decades there. Was the character designer behind Yzma for Emperor's New Groove. Okay. And I think started there with Robin Hood and just long tenured animator. Sounds like it. Next up, John Arnett, age 80. An NFL running back, played for USC, the Rams, the Bears, was the second pick in the 1957 NFL draft and was a five-time Pro Bowl player, so quite a football legend. He was drafted ahead of Jim Brown in that same draft. Wow, okay. And then lastly, in the music world, Phil Spector, age 60 or age 81, a Hall of Fame record producer, of course, uh, credited with um, with the creation of the Wall of Sound, which was the 60s term for overproduced, orchestrated, um, Motown-adjacent uh, music, uh, such as like with Supremes. Uh, very, very famous. Um, also a musician in his own right. He was in a band called Teddy Bears. But of course... More importantly, um, kind of tarnished that reputation um, by being a convicted murderer later in his life. Um, he was in prison uh, for a big bulk of his life up until his death. He was removed from prison um, after uh, contracting COVID-19 and died in the hospital. Hmm. So, um, yeah, a complicated man, complicated story. Definitely an important figure in modern music. But... Definitely hard to talk about his accomplishments when he's had, uh, when he, yeah, when he has blood on his hands. It's a very hard guy to talk about in a lot of ways. Um, Also kind of difficult to talk about is the connection between COVID-19 and prisoners. Like, yeah, like regardless of whether or not he um, was... I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to talk around it, but it's it's hard to separate the two things. But you can believe that this man has, you know, done a horrible thing and also believe that prisoners who contract COVID-19 should be, you know, should be healed and should be given, you know, should be given uh, the same kind of um, treatment. Um, Medical attention. Yeah, medical attention. You should not be stuck in prison suffering with the disease. So there's a lot of complicated moving parts in this story. And it is by far the biggest music story of the week. But I had to find a couple of other things or a handful of other things instead. But yes. I mean, you also don't want to talk about Phil Spector and give him the time of day. No, exactly. And that's the other thing is that the the man himself, we don't really need to dwell on. Instead, go read anything about Ronnie Spector, his wife, and um, the, the, the spectacular musician in her own right. Just, just enjoy her music for the for the time being. Don't even think about him. That's what I say. Let's move Isn't on. Is there like a doc you can watch about Phil Spector's oh, fall? Right. I fall? am sure there is plenty of stuff out there um, if you want to listen to. And yeah, like some of that music, honestly not 100% written by him. He took a lot of credit for the music of that era, but a lot, most of it was written by the artists themselves and with other hands um, on the production. So yeah, just keep that in mind uh, when you're kind of going through that catalog of music because this wasn't just him, even though that's what he wanted us to believe. Let's move on, why don't we, out of deaths and into music. Well, that was music story number one. 
<laughs> going out of order here. Which means let's get into we let's uh, restart music then. Yeah, let's restart music with the Billboard because we always start the Billboard with the Hot 100 Ooh. and time it uh, three weeks <laughs> into the new year. We have a not only a first of uh, a first new song of the year, but the first new number one of the year. <laughs> And not just a number, a new number one, but an unprecedentedly big uh, new number one. This thing came out of nowhere and has now become a huge smash. Debuting on the chart at number one, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Have you, do you know who this person is? Have you heard this song? Did this, this just completely new to you? I... I have not heard this person before, <laughs> but when I saw this news, I decided to look up the song and yeah. figure out, oh, what is this that people are listening to? It's a teenager breakup song. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're, I think you're underselling it. Uh, I listened to this thing as well. Cause I was also curious and um, yeah, I actually think it's pretty good. It's a, it's in the style kind of, I think we're seeing our, the post Billie Eilish era right now. And it's very much like one of her ballads. It's very stark and depressing and kind of from a first person narrative of a young teenage girl. And I think that it works um, and it's very emotional uh, when it hits that chorus at the end. I think it's a stellar written, it's a well-written song. Um, so apparently she comes from just as many uh, of our pop stars in the last decade and a half from the Disney machine. Uh, she was in um, Bizarre Vark, the Disney show, and more recently in the high school musical, the show, the musical or whatever that thing was on the, Disney Plus. Uh, oh, this high school musical, the series, the musical. The musical, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's about a teenager who just got their driver's license, but also just broke up with her boyfriend. So she uses her driver's license to drive by his house constantly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't like in any other situation, it wouldn't be a big story, but it is a big story because she's debuted at number one, thanks to the strength of streaming and presumably TikTok, uh, getting her uh, song out there. Um, and presumably from the Disney machine, as you said. But yeah, it's just, it, you don't see so- songs get this successful this quick, like ever. This is a very big debut um so yeah debuting at number one so yeah probably behind the other story i said this is probably your other your other big music story uh this week but again because we were going to talk about it in billboard i don't have it in the news (laughs) all right how many of these hidden music stories do you actually have those are just the two those are the two big things really because you also kind of hid the inauguration (laughs) music story as well in TV in <laughs> just like WandaVision, I'm laying, laying Easter eggs throughout for you that you have to find. Anyway, let's talk uh, about the rest of the top 100, why don't we? Because everybody else moved down. Basically, everyone, if, if the, yeah, everything's moved down. No, no real changes. Number yeah. two was Moved by 24 Golden featuring Ian Dior. Three, Positions by Ariana Grande. Number four, Blinding Whites by Super Bowl halftime show performer No Weekend. <laughs> and at number five, Go Crazy by Young Thug. And I'm not saying the other guy. Yeah, some dude. <laughs> As for your album chart, your Billboard 200. At number one, Dangerous, colon, 
the double album Not by that Morgan Wallen. At two, Evermore by Taylor Swift. At three, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by Pop Smoke. At number four, Ho Tales <laughs> by Jasmine Sullivan. <laughs> and at five, The Voice by Lil Durk. So real quick about the Hot 100, even though Olivia Rodrigo uh, is the first new song on the top five. Not the first new song of the year, as that honor belongs to, I'll say, Media Boat favorite. <laughs> da, da, da. Well, no, because she was your um, artist of the year last year. Your number <laughs> one album. Okay. Uh, Trails Over the Country Club. By Anna Del Rey Anna is the Del name Rey. you can't think of. <laughs> yes. And also, I want to let this, let my, my my point stand. She was not my number one record last or in 2019. I think she was like two or three. Anyways, <laughs> maybe that was the year before. No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. It was in my top five, but was not number one. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, Anna Del Rey. Yeah, she did have a new single that from that upcoming record. Uh, I listened to it. Uh, it seems like she's just trying to do the same thing again, and I'm worrying it's too samey. Okay, it's good. Kinda, so it wasn't just me. No, that's how I landed on it. Is I was like, this has a lot of the same kind of, like you can hear the Jack Antonoff production, and you can hear the same kind of beats that she's trying to hit. And I'm like, you can't just do it again. <laughs> like, and then halfway through, it goes into a weird direction. Yeah, it's exactly the same playbook that she used the last time. So I'm saying, also... Lana, let your music do the talking. Maybe stop talking yourself is the other thing I'll say about Lana. <laughs> She's already kind of tripped up a few times in 2021 and years just started. All right. Well, we can look forward to a future album release of Lana Del Rey. But for now. But for now, we do have new releases. Just a couple. Just a couple small things. All right. We have Home by Rahim. That's R-H-Y-E. Rahim. Rye? Rye. And Cooler Returns <laughs> by Kiwi Jr. Just a little, just a little Kiwi. Mini Kiwi? All right. Uh, so um, we already went through two music stories, so we have nothing else to talk about. Except there's some bits. Except the music bits. All right. So let's throw some bits at you. Why don't you? The bits. The bits. The bits. The bits. Drake. Yes, that Drake. Drake. Canada's own. <laughs> okay, Toronto's own. They haven't given us, him back to us at some point. They're like, yo, you can have him. I mean, he's still part owner of the Raptors, so he's still Toronto's <laughs> own. I feel like I feel like maybe though, if they're they're so angry about the Keystone XL pipeline, maybe they'll give us Drake in return. Just be like, <laughs> we're mad at you. Anyway. Anyways, yes. <laughs> That Drake, stories. that Drake becomes the first artist to pass 50 billion Spotify streams. I'm going to say that that is too many. I, I will say that even though he has 50 billion Spotify streams, there are still people on in the U.S. that have more money than dollars <laughs> to that. 
the other thing I will say is it does make me wonder on YouTube uh, the, what the YouTube stats are because then we would know how many views he's received. At least six. I, I, I will see myself out now. I'll, I'll see myself the other way too. I cannot get out of this camera right <laughs> Anyway. Anyways. Um, let's get political again, shall we? Yeah, well, sort of. Not really. All right. So um, with Trump leaving the office, he issued a wave of pardons, including yeah. Lil Wayne, Kodak Black, and Rock Nation CEO Desiree Perez. Do you know. note that upon accepting these pardons, they have to admit to guilt of what they are charged <laughs> with. I mean, Lil Wayne's obviously not going to say, not going to lie and say he didn't have, but didn't, it wasn't in possession of weapons and drugs. I mean, he's Lil Wayne. We just know that that's true. Right. But as we said, <laughs> when we covered this last year, we should have a guy to possess his drugs and firearms. <laughs> Anyways, there's not really a story here. I just think it's funny. Um, seems like Trump used a lot of his pardons in a questionable way before he exited uh, his presidency. But hey, everything he did was kind of questionable. So par for the course. Well, it was like 150 pardons and some high profile names in there in order to distract from other names like Steve Bannon. Yeah, that's not related to music. So we don't really need to talk about that. But yeah, exactly. Okay, we don't need to talk about Trump pardoning Steve Bannon, but. No, this is music after all. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Like I said, we will not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we've mentioned it three times now. Let's I mentioned it twice, okay? <laughs> if you want me to mention Trump party Steve Bannon a third, I'm gonna have to wait. <laughs> okay, we get it. <laughs> anyway. Those poor charity kids. Charity cases. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Anyway. All right, well. Where one story ends, another begins. Yes. As, as we mentioned at the top of this uh, podcast, Joe Biden elected to president. He has been sworn in. The inauguration happened today, and he is our, officially our president. Yep. And with it, musical guests come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Including Lady Gaga singing and then getting very emotional about the national anthem during the Biden inauguration. Yeah, somebody uh, pointed out real quick before you say the second half, uh, somebody pointed out that uh, one especially emotional moment was during the flag was still there portion. She looked and uh, kind of gestured toward the Capitol building, uh, referring to the events on the Capitol uh, last week. Literally one week prior that the flag was still there. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that was a very poignant uh, uh, moment in the inauguration today. Also very poignant is her outfit in which had the Hunger Games trending on Twitter. So yeah, the bird kind of looked like the Mockingjay thing from the Hunger Games. But come on, you get what it is. It's a it's a dove with an olive branch. You, it's not an, even a metaphor at that point. It's so obvious of a symbol. Like the internet's just being silly. Yeah, but we love when the internet is silly. We yeah, can do be we... silly again on the internet, can we? Maybe, eh, possibly. Eh. No, no, no. I'm going to go around and revoke people's silly license. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of revoking silly licenses, Jennifer Lopez <laughs> sings Likely. America the Beautiful, arrangement that interpolates 
Let's get loud. I just wanted to mention, because I was listening to this thing, like I said, at the top of the podcast, I was listening to this thing while I was working, and I laughed out loud to myself when she said, let's get loud at the end of that thing. And I was like, yeah, J- J- yes, J-Lo, we know who you are. You don't need to remind people, hey, this is the song, one of the songs, one of the reasons why I'm famous. I'm like, yes, we get it. <laughs> just play it straight. There's also a weird remix that included This Land is My Land in it. And I was like, this, uh, hmm. okay, okay, Jennifer, you do you. And then to wrap up performances at the actual inauguration ceremony, <laughs> Garth Brooks came yes. out and sang um, Amazing Grace. Are you sure it wasn't Chris Gaines? No. It was... Have you ever seen the two of them in the same room? No, but then again, I don't purposely look up for them. I just know that when Garth Brooks walks into a room... <laughs> People shout, oh, my God, that's Garth Brooks. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he's saying yeah. uh, amazing I feel like today grace. was the only opportunity people have had to make Chris Gaines jokes in the last 25 years, so I had to bring it up. Yeah, all right. Anyway. <laughs> Did you get any gains from it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, anyway. Yeah, there yeah, were other uh, musical guests as well. Um, well, no, other musical things. guests during the... Um, ball that followed yeah this was like actual inauguration yeah one of the things that we didn't talk about last week uh or it has happened i think since last week a lot of talk on my twitter especially about the new radicals uh reuniting after 22 years uh to do their hit you get what you give hmm. which happened today hmm. that's a catchy ass song and it's been stuck in my week. It's stuck in my week all year. It's been stuck in my head all week. Stuck in your week all head. Yes. <laughs> anyway. And after Garth Brooks performed, he decided to high five and hug <laughs> every president there was. <laughs> and almost stiffed Vice President Harris after shaking hands with uh, George W. Bush and Mike Pence. Yeah. He almost walked away, but then went back and like, okay, yes. <laughs> Lest I forget uh, but yeah, so that all happened today. Clips yeah. are up on YouTube or gifts everywhere. Check Twitter. Yeah. Other, this next bit is just for you. This is just for me, isn't it? <laughs> so, wedding band favorite. <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to hear them, honestly? <laughs> on your Spotify, specifically. On my study list, Spotify, which I no longer <laughs> study for. Yeah. Vitamin String Quartet. <laughs> yes, that Vitamin String Quartet, <laughs> who cover lots of pop music and classical forms. The streams are up 350% after Bridgerton's soundtrack is released. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you recall, when I talked about watching the Bridgerton pilot, I did mention there were some pop orchestrated arrangements of pop songs. So I didn't realize that that was straight up just Vitamin String Quartet. And I should have known uh, because they're the only ones who do it pretty much. Or like they're the most famous. Well, it's them and two piano guys. So yeah, yeah. So I I guess I should have figured that out and I didn't think about it, but it makes sense on recollection. So yeah, I just want to include that because I know that they're a favorite of yours. Yeah, they are. (laughs) They're a favorite amongst everyone getting married soon. (laughs) When you don't need it, when you have a DJ and not a band, yeah. Play Vitamin String Quartet during the uh, cocktail hour. And now you know that they know. Um, what was the song? 
there was a like a Maroon Five song, and there was some other thing in that episode. So, oh, was it the uh, that the wedding song? I don't. I don't remember. Anyways, let's let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's move on then uh, to country because Eric Church and yes. Jasmine Sullivan. Yes. Who I believe we we talked about it in uh, in new releases. Yeah. No. In no. Billboard number in Billboard. four yes. album with Hotels. Right. Also, I believe that's pronounced Hotels. It's H E A U X. I believe you're pronouncing Go. that correctly. Yes, I believe it is a pun. Ho. <laughs> um, they will duet. Yes. Not do it, but duet. <laughs> uh, the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Where other um, Hot 100. Current Hot 100 artist, The Weeknd, will perform at the Pepsi Halftime Show. Yep. Unsure if that performance will be live or pre-recorded, but... We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, Let's see. Moving on. The guitarist for metal band Iced Earth was among those taken into custody for the Capitol Insurrection. Yeah, I guess a lot of fans instantly recognized him because I guess he has a very trademark beard. And so in the footage, they proved it was him. And yeah, he basically was um, in a, on a wanted list for a few days there. And then he ended up just giving himself up to the to the police from his home. So, I mean, it also helps when there's cell phone data tracking them everywhere. Yeah. And people live streaming themselves and geotech. Photos. Yeah, what you saw is a lot of people who did not try at all to withhold their identity. <laughs> Even though I'm sure there were plenty of conspiracy theories out there about the government <laughs> tracking you. <laughs> and they did not heed that cause. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. It, but yeah, so so that that uh, presumed, presumed dirt bag is now taken care of, is basically the end of that story. Yep. And lastly, on a lighter side of news... Mm-hmm. Dr. Dre is no longer with the doctors as he is at home following a brain aneurysm. Yeah, this is just like a wrap up to our previous story about him having that aneurysm. He's home and he's recovering, so he's not in the hospital anymore. All right. Good for him. Recovering. (laughs) Did you listen to anything? Uh, No. It's it's kind of a dead period for new releases, as we mentioned. So not a whole lot of 2021 songs or albums to talk about. Right. I mean, we did talk about the two new 2021 yeah. songs from Lana Del Rey and Rod- Re- Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo's. <laughs> I was going to say Rodrigo. Blake I feel like you kicker. should get used to her name because she's probably not going away anytime soon. Oh, Olivia. <laughs> anyway. Let's Anyways, move let's move on to video games as we wrap it up here in a stretching two hour podcast. Yeah, somehow with even less television thoughts, we took longer on them. <laughs> we had a lot to say about WandaVision. We did. Which means, well, we have a lot to, uh, we have new releases yeah, coming up. and handful. Oh, let me uh, stretch out here because lots of consoles to get to. <laughs> we have <laughs> Ride 4 for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. We have Cyber Shadow for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh-huh. We have Hitman 3 for yeah. the PS4, PS5, 
Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. And then <laughs> we have Atelier Ryza 2, colon, Lost Legends, and the Secret Fairy for the <laughs> PS4, PS5, Switch, and PC. Did yeah. you get all that? Yeah, I mean, it's this zone where we're still supporting the old and new consoles at the same time is just, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. All right, so let's get into some music news. Video game news. news. Video game news. So last week, I uh, we mentioned that Scott Pilgrim was being released uh, for the consoles for Switch and PS4 and Xbox. And I was like, hey, I'm going to pick that up. Why not? I like that series. I've never truly played the game. So it's a fun game. Why not? It's a fun game. Let me go ahead and pick that up. And then Pokemon <laughs> decided to butt in and say, but what about me? <laughs> Yep, the moment we've all been waiting for. We finally learned about the new Pokemon Snap. So after Wednesday, I went on the Switch store and I was looking at the game to buy it. And literally right next to it was the Pokemon Snap uh, little icon. Yeah. Saying, hey, Pokemon Snap coming soon. So I clicked it to see if there was a date released yet. No date, but it was at the top of the page. Little did I know that they would have a trailer released the next day. Yeah. So, the new Pokemon Snap release date has been confirmed for April 30th by Nintendo. It's coming soon. In a trailer released Thursday, Nintendo announced that your photographic trip to the new Lentil region kicks off this spring. The video reveals quite a lot of new information about the game, which was first announced in June of last year. There's a glimpse at your character and the new Pokemon professor you'll likely be in regular communication with, as well as the Pokedex slash camera hybrid that you'll be using on your adventure. There are more than 200 different species to spot in the new Pokemon Snap including many that are hidden away off the beaten track and others that you'll have to document quickly as they swoop down from above or below in the water. (laughs) If you're used to hunting rare shiny Pokemon in the mainline games, you'll be well catered to here as well, thanks to the mysterious Illumina Pokemon and their strange glow. So yeah, this trailer confirmed a lot of things for me about this Pokemon Snap game. Um, As a big fan of the original, uh, played a lot of that as a kid, went to the Blockbuster and printed out the stickers to the whole nine yards. Um, That's going to mean nothing. Again, that's going to mean nothing to our under 25s out there. Um, (laughs) Right, especially when you start with stickers and Blockbuster. Yeah, what's a Blockbuster? No, anyway. um, So yeah, it answered a lot of questions for me. I was like, is this just going to be like that first one? Well, yes, turns out. So it seems like it's going to be an on-rails thing, just like the first game was, where you're going to be passing by these Pokemon, taking pictures of them, um, and manipulating them in ways, like throwing bait out, um, interacting with things in the in the environment to change what the Pokemon do. Um, the, though the, there is this additional layer of those special Pokemon that makes this potentially interesting. Like there might be different 
permutations of the levels where different times, maybe different Pokemon will show up. That seems really cool. And it's a good way to change up the snap formula because the downside of a game like Pokemon snap is once you've played it all, you kind of done everything. There's not a whole lot of replayability for that original game. Right. But with the new Pokemon, um, not X, Y. Come on, help me out here. Armor. Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield. Armor Isles. <laughs> I'm off my game today. Yeah. <laughs> Proper nouns. <laughs> yes, that's why I like playing the pronoun game. <laughs> so with the new Pokemon Sword and Shield, they did implement the time mechanic and different days and different weather system. Yeah. And so their different Pokemon did appear at different times. That can be implemented here as well. I mean, that's a tradition going back to gen- generation two of the games. Um, well, well that's yeah. night day cycle, yes. Right. So but I'm talking about more in depth from that. Yeah, there's a lot that they can do with Pokemon Snap um, that they've never done that they didn't do in the first one, and I'm really interested to see where they go. And I also like that you can have like a preset. Um, you don't get to create your character per se, but there are several preset designs for your trainer or photographer, I guess in this case, and that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Also, not a Game Freak game. No, the first one wasn't either. Uh, the first one was a, um, I think it was a Hudson joint. I believe so. Or wait, was that, it was either Hudson or Intelligent Systems, one of the um, second party Nintendo studios back in the day. Regardless, um, yeah, it's uh, really cool to see that franchise come back. A lot of people have missed Pokemon Snap and a lot of people who have never played the original like friend of the show, Christy, are also very excited for this. She's jazzed about this game. She's super excited to take pictures of Pokemon. So yeah, so April 30th, can't come sooner. Yep, so I think I'm probably pre-ordering this game. Um, I might not just because I think Christy will, so. Okay. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, we'll see April 30th. Just we will. four months away. Depends on how you count months. Three months away. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our next story then. Uh, Hitman 3. Yeah, this was, which from we, what I could tell, the biggest video game story of the week, but not for good reasons. Right, because Hitman 3 is under the new releases, as we said, coming for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, mm-hmm. and PC. Well... It's live. Or is it? Because players have are having trouble bringing their progress from previous games forward before they can start playing. Even more than most sequels, Hitman 3 is meant to be deeply tied to the games that came before it. Meaning you can import the levels from the earlier games if you own them on the same platform. Though the studio is still working on a solution for moving uh, from Steam to Epic Game Store. That includes carrying over your progress, item unlocks, and statistics via your IO interactive account. Unfortunately, that account service is getting hit hard by early Hitman 3 players right now. For the time being, it seems nearly impossible to complete the process of migrating your progress into Hitman 3. 
Yeah. So this, this was is a big problem coming from a big studio. Well, big is maybe being generous. IO Interactive okay, is now an independent. Franchise. Yeah, they're an independent studio, but the Hitman franchise is big. Um, especially back, you know, in the games that they were making when they were under Square Enix. Like people know the Hitman games. Um, but yeah, this kind of sucks just because this was a big part of the game that they were marketing really heavily. Hitman 2, the previous game, also had an import feature for levels from the first game. So this is something that they touted as a big selling point for the third game is that you could have all of your Hitman levels in one hub. So yeah, I guess they maybe underestimated the um, the volume of people, the interest of people to do this right away upon the game's release and didn't have the servers to, um, to handle it uh, because now it just seems like it's an embarrassing you know, roller coaster of bugs for people who are trying to do this import. So it would be really easy to say, like, well, just play the new game. Why do you need to import the old stuff? But part of the story kind of hits why this is important because it is narratively important that you know what happens in the first two games. Like, it's weird to say this, especially for a game that's basically a sandbox assassination game, but they've done a lot of story work on this franchise, especially in the second game. And from what I see from early reviews of Hitman 3, that they double down on the story stuff. They try to make the story the thing about this game. You know, whether or not that makes sense for the franchise is another story. But the fact that they're focusing so much on the importance of the narrative from those levels means that if you're coming in fresh and want to play all of this in one game in Hitman, in, in Hitman 3, then... You're not going to be able to, if you can't do the import, you're not going to know what's going on. You'd have to find your copies of the old games or reinstall the old games. Or worse, watch a playthrough on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to watch somebody talk through the whole thing. That's boring. So yeah, um, it's just a a disappointment for, I'm sure, a lot of Hitman fans that were really excited for the third game's release. Um, Yeah, it's just, the execution could have been better. I mean, this isn't a surprise release either. This is something no. that they knew in the process no. coming. Right. And to, I don't, I want to say that we've seen studios botch releases before, <laughs> but it seems more frequently in recent memory. That I think the pressure of, of coronavirus is probably part of it. I think that more and more people playing these video games than ever before is probably also part of it. This is a server-side issue, which makes me think that it was just that they underestimated the popularity of Hitman more than anything else. I think that work, and that is a testament to the work that they've done. It's These are good games, and a lot of people know that there's a high level of quality, and so they were excited, reasonably so, for the third one. So it's a good problem to have. It's It's just an unfortunate problem to have. But unfortunately, it hits the gamer, the people who want to play the game, worse. And the worst. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate. All right. Well, speaking of unfortunate, we have no more episode for you. I mean, yeah, we're basically done. I mean, um, you do have one thought here. Yeah, the real quick thing. I downloaded the uh, demo for Monster Hunter Rise on the Switch. That is the upcoming new Monster Hunter game. Not based on the film. No, no, thankfully. Uh, no racist Chinese jokes in this thing. But what you will find is... You're proud of that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I mystified you there. You're like, wait, what? No, I, I, I know the joke. You know what you're... You know what and I know about. what you're referencing. 
anyways, no, it is the next game in the Monster Hunter series. Last time we talked about Monster Hunter was, of course, with Monster Hunter World, the big console release that kind of streamlined and modernized the series and uh, got a lot of people's radar. We both played it and enjoyed our time. Yeah, and then uh, the subsequent expansion for that. So Rise is like, it's kind of like meeting in the middle where it takes a lot of the lessons learned from World and a lot of the modernization that happened in the world and borrows it. It's the same weapons in this game. It's the same, um, a similar graphic style. It uses a, the same engine, but downscaled for the Switch. Um, so there's a lot of similarities to World, but it also brings back a lot of elements from classic Mo- Monster Hunter pre-World. And so it's this weird hybrid uh, that's trying to make the fans happy, both the people who loved the new stuff that they tried and the old classic version of the games. So it kind of hits a medium. And for me, well, I already thought world was kind of arcane and kind of like brushed against a lot of it's more obscure parts. So needless to say, I kind of had the same problem, but maybe a little worse with rise. Um, It's not for me. The monster hunter series is not something that I really you know, jive with. It's not the kind of game that I like to like, like to play. Uh, being tossed in, I just played the tutorial and just being tossed in and be like, yeah, do these things, but here's this like billion different mechanics that you have to learn and master and all these little things to remember. And every little single item in the game is going to have like two screens of text trying to explain to you why it's important. It was overwhelming, and I'm just, it reminded me of like, oh, this is why I don't like this game. It's just not not for me. But I figured that I might as well download, give it a try, since it's a new game release, and we haven't talked about any in 2021 yet. So I just wanted to see how it is. It's definitely pretty for a Switch game. I will give it that. Um, and I'm sure that Monster Hunter fans uh, will have a lot to like here, um, especially on Switch, because they can take it with them. Yeah, that's the good thing about the Switch. So yeah, if you liked you, I remember you liked World more than I did. Yeah. You might want to try out the demo to see what they've done. I mean, I should probably like buy World and finish that first. Maybe it's like, on. Uh, it's on Game Pass if you have Game Pass. Okay. Or it was for a while actually. I don't know if it is anymore. It might still be on console Game Pass. Like, I think they took it off of PC Game Pass. Hmm. But it was for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But with that, that will end it for us here. That will be it, unless you played any video games. Uh, I've been playing Overcooked 2 and more Ring Fit Adventure. Okay. Then no. (laughs) Turns out, answer is no. All right. Then let's wrap this show up. Thank you. All right. Plug away. For joining us at this uh, wonderful episode of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for another one, where we'll have plenty of other things to talk about. But in the meantime, if you want to catch up, We're available in audio form via all sorts of podcast services, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even, where we do not have 50 billion views. Uh, We're also on YouTube. If you want to see video versions of these podcasts, search YouTube for Media Boat Podcast, and you can find our channel, like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to see us on social media, on Twitter, we're at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, search MediaBoatPodcast, and you'll find our page. Email us with questions, suggestions, etc. at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, and you can see some of our writing archived at mediaboatpodcast.com. I think that'll do it. I think uh, that's we the do have a new podcast catcher that caught us and oh. wants us to promote it. Okay. Verbal. Verbal. Ah. Uh, emailed us and said, hey, is this your station? Yes. To which I said, yes, it is. And congratulations. Your station sounds great. It's live on Verbal. So that's another podcasting feed. So uh, thanks for the shout out, Verbal. Um, Go there to listen to all sorts of fine podcasts just like this one. Yep. And with Um, that, we will be back next week with more thoughts, more more news. News and hopefully less politics. Who, who can say? Who can say? All right. See you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.